Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Just as desire is the driving force of your story, it's the driving force of every dramatic scene. So we need to get that desire established in the scene setup. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. are the building blocks of story. They're stories unto themselves. Each scene is there to fulfill the story's greater purpose. And they follow the same three-act structure as your entire story. So a scene is your story in miniature. In a scene, something happens, something specific. It has a purpose. It either advances your plot or reveals character and the best scenes do both. So in this episode, we're going to break down a scene from Emily Robitaille's short story, A Portrait of Wildness, and we're going to break it down into three acts. Number one, the setup. Number two, the confrontation. And number three, the resolution. So let's dive in. In a conventional story, the first act introduces the protagonist, and we usually also meet the antagonist, and we get all the information we need to follow the story. So every scene builds on the previous scene. Now, I'm not going to break down this story's opening scene, but to give you some context for what we'll be talking about today, here's the opening paragraph. When the painter August Roundtree picked Ness up at Bernard to bring her to a dinner party at his ex-lover's house, it was to make the woman jealous. Ness was too naive to know this, but smart enough to be suspicious. Contrary to the evidence of his paintings, she had never slept with August Roundtree, who was not only 20 years her senior, but was also her godfather. She was reluctant to join him because she had an organic chemistry midterm to take at 11 o'clock the next morning. 
Okay, great. So we have a situation. We know who the story is about. And we know what Ness, our protagonist, wants. It's simple. She wants to study for her midterm. We also know what August wants. He wants to use Ness to make his ex-lover jealous. Now, there's a conflict brewing already. Her godfather, August, is interfering with what she wants. So already in the first paragraph, we have our main cast of characters, we have a situation, and we have a conflict. We go on to learn that August has financed her education, and we get a little backstory about his ties with her family. We learn that her father died when she was a baby, and that August is presently in New York, showing his wildness series at the Whitney, a series of paintings inspired by Ness. And every scene that follows is going to build on what was planted in the beginning. So in every scene, your main character wants something and is going to have trouble getting that. And by the end, she's either going to get it or not. So just as the first act of your story sets up who your story's about and what this person wants and gives us all the information we need to follow the rest of the story, the first act of each scene will give us all the information we need to follow the rest of the scene. So we've already met the protagonist, Ness, and the antagonist, August, and we've had a brief introduction to his ex-lover, Laura who's also an antagonist, meaning she's going to interfere with Ness getting what she wants out of the scene. So act one, the scene setup. In the scene setup, we know where we are in place. We have our protagonist and antagonist. Now, this is not an introduction to the characters themselves, but it introduces the desire that's driving the scene. So just as desire is the driving force of your story, it's the driving force of every dramatic scene. So we need to get that desire established in the scene setup. So the protagonist will state his or her desire, and it might be a desire for more information. It might be a desire to make up with his wife after a fight, it might be as simple as wanting to get home early enough to study for a chemistry exam. Now, there will be a counter demand by the antagonist or some kind of refusal, or the antagonist responds with a non-answer. Someone or something will interfere with what the protagonist wants to get out of this scene It may not be another character. It may be a physical obstacle. It could be the weather. But there will be some resistance by the antagonist that will create an obstacle to the desire, and that obstacle will lead to an inciting incident. So we have place, desire, resistance, inciting incident. So back to a portrait of wildness. Act one, scene setup. 
Ness and August are on the porch of his ex-lover Laura's house. He rings the bell with his right hand and puts his left on the small of Ness's back and tells her, you should know that she's extremely jealous. So Ness asks some questions. How do you know her? And he says they're old friends. And then she asks, does she know you're bringing me? To which he answers with a non-answer. He says she made mean little sculptures out of porcupine quills. Now she runs an art gallery downtown. Now, this is strategic because we need to know a little bit about August and Laura's history to make sense of what happens as the scene continues. And the fact that he doesn't answer her question clues us in that Laura is not expecting her. So he rings the bell a second time and Ness states her desire in the form of a question. We're only staying for a little while, right? And then Laura opens the door and says, you're late. And then, who's this, August? Laura's smile stiffens. She puts her hand to her neck. August kisses Laura on the cheek and introduces Ness as wildness, the love of my life. And now Laura's making the connection between Ness, short for wildness, and August's paintings. She looks at August and asks, is she your daughter? To which he replies, no, but he doesn't offer any other explanation. Now, August and Ness are still outside. Laura has not even extended her hand to Ness. There's clearly animosity here. So it's an inciting incident. Laura is rattled by Ness's presence. This is the inciting incident that sets the rest of the scene in motion. So we already know that this dinner party is not going to be a relaxing night out, and we're already doubting that Ness will get back to school in time to study for her midterm. So there's an obstacle. She's got no reassurance from her godfather that he'll return her to school at a decent time, and we already intuit that this is going to be a long night. And all of this has been set up by the previous scenes. We already know something about the relationship between August and Ness. We know that he lives in Mexico and is in New York, where his series of paintings, Wildness, is now on display. We also know that there's no romantic or sexual relationship between Ness and August. We know what August's intentions are. He's using Ness to get Laura jealous. And at this point, Ness is starting to get an awareness of what she's walking into, but the inciting incident, Laura's icy reception to her when she opens the door, changes the stakes completely for Ness, who just wants to get back to school at a decent time to study. So there's palpable tension between these three characters, and there's drama. August asks Laura if she's going to invite them in. She does. And with that, we launch into act two of the scene, confrontation. So in act two, there's direct conflict. We hit the first obstacle midway, the first major obstacle. And then the obstacle gets harder. And then there's a crisis. 
Now, crisis in a story or scene means that there's going to be some decision or dilemma. So in a story, it's one final effort the protagonist takes to overcome any opposing forces, keeping her from getting what she wants from the scene. So in act two of this scene, we have direct conflict. We're in Laura's living room, And Ness realizes that darkness is falling, so the clock is ticking. Now, August and Laura talk briefly about her 13-year-old son, Nick, and we learn a few details about him. And this is strategic because we meet him later in the story. And then Laura brings three glasses into the living room with a bottle of white and hands Ness an overfull glass before she can even object. Now, Ness obviously doesn't want to drink, so she says, oh no, thanks, I don't, and Laura interrupts her to say, that's a 25-year-old Pinot Grigio. I will be very offended if you don't drink it. So here we are, direct conflict. So Ness encounters her first obstacle. Ness is being pressured to drink, and not exactly a great thing to do if she's going to pass her exam the next morning, let alone study for it. And the obstacle is going to get harder for Ness. So she says, oh, okay, and she pretends to taste it and looks at her watch. It's now 7.50 p.m. So again, we're being reminded of what Ness wants in this particular scene. And then Laura relentlessly asks Ness personal things about her life. So tell me, Wildness, what do you do? And Ness says, well, everyone just calls me Ness. All right, Ness, what do you do? And Ness tells her that she's a sophomore at Bernard. And Laura says, well, you're even younger than I thought. And then she interrogates Ness a little more. And she asks, tell me, do you have a little boyfriend at college? Or do you have a thing for older men? Let me guess. And Laura sticks out her lower lip in a grotesque pout. Your father wasn't there for you, was he? Now, at this point, Ness is bristling and she opens her mouth to say something and then closes it. She's kind of speechless at this point. Now, we already know that her father died when she was a baby. We don't know how he died, but we know this is an emotional soft spot. And August is not coming to her defense. So Laura is bullying her. Direct conflict. So now August and Laura continue to drink. They're getting visibly drunk. The obstacle to getting back to school is getting worse. Now Ness is getting nervous about her midterm and starts fiddling with the tassels at the end of her poncho. And Laura says to Ness, you haven't touched your wine. And Ness replies, oh, yeah, I don't really think I should drink because do you have any soda or anything? Because I have a test in the morning. I mean, water would be fine too. And Laura says, when this wine was bottled, we were your age. We didn't trust anyone over 30. It's hard for you to imagine we were your age once, isn't it? And August says, drink up, sweetie. We're celebrating. Laura agrees sarcastically and then says to Ness, you must tell me what you did to inspire those paintings. Now, Ness at this point notices that the wine bottle is empty and Laura pushes her. I'm dying to know. And Ness says, they're abstracts. It's not like I posed for them or anything. And Laura says, that's a pity. I posed for him once. 
And then Laura goes back to the liquor cabinet. She pulls out a bottle of whiskey and she goes off to the kitchen. And before she goes into the kitchen, she looks at Ness with naked disdain and says, I hope to God you're not a vegetarian because we're having veal. So now we're moving closer to the crisis point of act two. Now at this point, Ness is pleading. She's asking for what she wants again. Can we go soon, Uncle August? I really need to study. And he says, don't be rude, sweetie. We haven't eaten yet. Ness starts to object. She's crazy. She's racist. She had no idea you were bringing me. She had no idea I even existed. She doesn't want me here. She hates me. Why didn't you tell her you were bringing me? So the tension is increasing. Now, August cradles his cheek in her palm, closes his eyes and asks, I'm not a bad person, am I? So he's not reassuring her at all. And then we go into a short piece of backstory, just a paragraph, where we learn that he had asked her the same question at her fifth birthday party. She didn't know how to answer him then, and she doesn't know how to answer him now. So this flashback is essential because it reveals significant history about their relationship and about August. And then something shatters in the kitchen. Laura shrieks, she curses, Ness can't tell whether she had dropped something or smashed it against the wall. And August says, I better go help out. And he leaves her to go to the kitchen. And Ness hears Laura asking August, is this what you do now? Rob cradles? Crisis. So now Ness must make a choice. What is she going to do? And now we have act three resolution. At this point, Ness began to drink her wine. End scene. So she has failed to achieve her desire. Okay, let's recap. A scene is your story in miniature. It's a microcosm of the whole. Scenes are really stories unto themselves. Your protagonist comes into the scene wanting something. He or she then encounters obstacles and by the end, either gets what he or she wants or not. So to structure a scene, follow the same three-act structure of your story. Act one, scene setup. Establish place, introduce the desire and the resistance and the inciting incident. Act two, confrontation. Characters will come into direct conflict And midway, your protagonist will hit her first major obstacle, and that obstacle will get progressively harder. Then we'll hit the crisis, meaning the protagonist will face a dilemma or is forced to make a decision. It's one final effort the protagonist takes to overcome the opposing forces, keeping her from getting what she wants from this particular scene. And then act three, resolution. Your protagonist either gets what he or she wants out of the scene or not. So there you have it. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you know any writers who need some support in their writing, please share this episode or the Writer Unleashed podcast in general. And if you love what you're listening to, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and please leave me a review. 
Reading how this podcast impacts your writing truly lights me up and helps me create topics for the show. Till next time, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon. 